Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios of Relate365.com in the Northwoods of Wisconsin here at Silver Tranch. And uh, it's the time of year where we're getting excited because the snow is, it's still here, but it's that in-between spring phase where, you know, one day it's spring, the next day it's winter, and it's that up and down. And you might say, well, why do you get excited about that? But I get excited about that because that means summer is going to be right around the corner. And if you know anything about Silver Tranch, summer's a big deal here. We love having young people and even families here for our uh, youth camps and family camps. And uh, we're excited to be able to offer a place where people can come and be in relationship because we know that's something that over the last year that people are missing and wanting to do. And what better place to do it than outside in the beautiful Northwoods of Wisconsin where there's you know less distractions. You could be in God's creation and you could be hanging out with people, doing fun things like zip lining, horseback riding, um, going tubing on the lake, whitewater rafting. And so um, just given the time, we're getting excited here because we know that that's on the horizon. And so if that sounds refreshing, relaxing, and something that is enticing you, I encourage you to head over to silverbirchranch.org slash summer. And you can find all the information about our family camps and youth camps. And maybe you guys can join us because it's going to be a fun time. Absolutely. And uh, Lord willing, I'm planning on speaking still for the junior, junior middler camp. So if you have a young person um, that uh, fits in that third grade to maybe seventh grade, you want them to come to that week. It's the early in the summer or late in the summer. Uh, yeah, the first and, and last week of our youth yeah, camp so summer. And then you also do our, our third family camp. The third family camp. So if you come on up and, and be a part of the younger, older group that's here. Uh, I think Jason's around for all of those. Yep. And so uh, you'll be able to meet us and be a part of that particular camping session, and we'd look forward to serving you then. You know, I, it, it was interesting. You talk about, I think those of us that live in the Midwest, yeah, you either like changes of season yep. or you eventually leave the Midwest. That's true. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> it pretty much defines yeah, the Midwest. <laughs> it's not that you, you don't get tired of something. I mean, up here, I think the roughest season for people is what normal people would call spring. Really? I think so. Because it's all mud here. There's no oh, spring. I, I don't like like late fall. Well, late fall and spring are, are similar to a certain degree. At least degree. springs, there's the, there's the hope. There's the hope. Of summer. Whereas <laughs> up here, when you get like to late fall, yeah. like after the leaves are gone, like end of November, before snow, yep. you look around, there's no color. Yep. It's gray, brown, sometimes mucky and it's just like well here that's exactly what we're talking about today why people believe certain things i'm on the opposite side because i like winter yeah so when i see fall like that i'm going hope for winter is around the corner but my wife and i you know ski every day we can this year i think we have 25 cross-country ski times in we, we put them on a calendar. So you, so that way we judge the winter by how good it was, by how many times you ski. Oh, okay. Right. Um, and there's been times where I've actually skied May 1st. Wow. I believe it. Yeah. And there are times where I'm done or don't even start until January, like this year almost. Right, right. And then you're done early. So, But it's very interesting. I, I, it's interesting because, you know, for me, perspective-wise now, not – not truth or anything, but perspective. I think, oh God, thank you for never calling me to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always the same temperature out there. Yeah, that that growing up in the Midwest, that's something that like I, I don't know if I could comprehend is is living in the same, generally the same climate right. the entire year. Like I enjoy going to Florida. We take a vacation to Florida, but even like my wife and I have talked about it, like. I don't know if we can actually do that yeah. year-round. Well, like, you pick your time, too. 
Right. We pick our time. We go and we like. You don't go in July. Enjoy it, you know. And I don't know if we could just do that year round. I think every climate has its um, moments. Right. I mean, wherever you are in the world. Right. I think there are moments where you go, I have to endure this. I could, Absolutely. I don't care Absolutely. where you live. It could be hurricane season down in Florida. You know, I mean, there are times where you just look at it and go, I don't think I like this. Right. And like for us, it's April when we get like a 20 inch yeah. snowstorm. It's yeah. like, all right, all right. Or when there is no spring that. In, in, at least when we were in Chicago, believe it or not, there was a spring. Yeah, up here we don't always get it. No, it's like just mud. Right. It yeah, we <laughs> forces mud, and <laughs> then true. it goes to summer. It goes to summer, sudden. right? And I and I struggle with that every year. You know, we talked about summer at the, yeah. at, here at camp at the top of the program, and you know we always build a big set in the field for yeah. the theme. And usually I'm waiting until that snow melts, and it's usually May time yeah. before I can like break ground and the frost is out of the yeah. ground to dig holes. And so it's just like, man, they're like, oh, how's your spring? Well, last Saturday was pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it came and went. <laughs> well, it's very interesting uh, because I, the other thing I was thinking of, there, this temperature thing is very I- intriguing to me. I know it isn't to most people, but if it's below 32 yeah. Things stay solid so we could still ski and do that thing. And when it gets above 32, everything changes. Yeah. And it's like there's this one factor, this one single factor. So right now, my wife and I would love to ski. The last few days, by the time I would get home, it's it's like 40 degrees. It's too warm. And the, and the snow's wet. It sticks to you. It's like, oh, brother. So I, I groomed the trails. Well, I had to get up early and do it because you got to do it while it's cold. That one little, it's one degree difference, and it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I think uh, people need to see in their lives it, it can't be that way, too. There's, at times, there's one little issue. Yeah. And this is a tipping point issue, and you got to deal with it. you, you got to change what you do because of it. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to change what you do when it's above freezing or below freezing if you're doing sport in the winter. Because mm-hmm. it changes. It, the, the least is you have to put a different wax on your skis. I mean, that, but you have to do something yeah. to adapt to the, the change in weather. Uh, it's interesting because we're talking about what people believe, and there's some that are just totally, they're Arizona freaks, you know what I mean? Excuse me if you're listening in Arizona. <laughs> by by I freak. Think we, I think we do have some listeners yes, down there. By freak. <laughs> <laughs> by freak, I mean you're really into Arizona, and, if you're one of those and people, that's the greatest Dave, weather, and the, you know, whatever, or Wisconsin freaks like us, oh, or, yeah. or whatever it might be. Um and, and really what you look at, you go, well, what is it that goes into you forming a belief like that? Mm. Uh, it, for example, I'll give you my own personal experience. Now, you, you're kind of a chef kind of guy. I yeah. mean, you like cooking. I do like You cooking, like baking. Yeah. Do you know that, that I personally don't like real cold water or real warm water, uh, hot water? I like lukewarm water. Mm. I don't like my food overly hot. I like it, like, just warm. I feel like there's a biblical analogy here I need to, like, inform Well, I know, I know. It's, it's like <laughs> lukewarm spit out of your mouth. I've never been able to understand why that is, but, you know, the idea of putting— Even on a hot summer day. No, the idea of putting ice in my water just makes me cringe. Really? Yeah. I, I want it body temperature. Hmm. You know, I want to drink it and not have it bother the temperature-wise. Likewise, food. It's like, is that hot enough? And Norma goes, sure it is. If it's a— you know, it's just lukewarm. I'm fine. Yeah. I don't know why that is. It's Interesting. No idea why. Um, but believe it or not, then, that affects then what I think of the food. 
Mm-hmm. It, it isn't the taste necessarily. Yeah. It's it's really the temperature that affects me more. Mm-hmm. Because I like the taste of almost everything. We'll find out. We're going to do a video using Lutefisk pretty soon. But That's right. Yeah, if you uh, want to check it out, head yeah. over to our Silver Ranch on YouTube. So just type in Silver Ranch on YouTube. You'll find our channel. Yeah. And then just find the Lutefisk video. Yeah, we haven't done it yet. We have, so we're, we don't... we're filming it later on. Yeah. But by the time you listen to this, it'll be done. Yeah. And so you should check it out. I'm curious to see, Dave, if... Uh, if I like Have you it ever gagged on food before? Never. Yeah. Never. Interesting. So I don't and think... I've had lutefish served at holidays in our family, so mm. it's not like I'm totally, it won't shock I me. I think there might be more of a reaction for me than you. I think there might be in anyone else in the room. That's true. <laughs> However, we'll see. But, you know, my, my thought process usually goes to if I'm going to try and help, you know, college kids or young people think, I have to know why they think the way they do now. Yeah. Because you have to dismantle bad thinking, not mm-hmm. just tell them they're wrong. Right. You have to dismantle it. Like, right. how'd you get there? Right. And help them uh, do that. In psychology, I was reading an article, actually it was produced in April of 2014, so it's pretty old, Okay. by this guy, Carl Albright. He's a, he's a, a psychologist. And Psychology Today put it out. And, and, and he was just saying, what is a bias? Or how do you get to where you have a certain understanding of something? Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read some of it to you so and get your comment on it. He said it's an A, B, C, D, E. So they use that acronym to understand how people understand that, that's something. That's an acronym? Yeah, uh, I'll give it to you. Okay. A, a stands for assumption, then belief, conclusion, decision, or emotion. Okay. Okay. That distorts our perceptions and narrows our options for responding to experience. So what, what the psychologist is doing, looking at our brain, saying, well, first of all, people start with an assumption, Mm-hmm. And that builds to a belief, a conclusion, they make a decision, and then they are very emotional about it, like this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it may not be that way. Right. But they've already concluded it is that way. Mm. So they get real tough on it. Yeah. And you know, I could use the idea of a, like a vaccination. Yeah. Uh, I think there's people that, that you know, and I know, that, that basically are very anti-vaccine. Mm-hmm. There's someone like me that says, I don't care, get one or don't get one. Right. You know, I mean, I wouldn't care if you didn't. I don't really care if you're, and and me, sometimes I get them, sometimes I don't. So I live that way. Yep, yep. Uh, the The truth of the matter is that if, if I were to challenge you and you're really anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine, you could get very emotional about it mm-hmm. because you already made up your mind. Right. So anything that I've understood doesn't even matter to you mm-hmm. because you've already gathered the data that agrees with what you think. Mm. And and really, that's what's scary sometimes. You go back to our last podcast where we were talking about how the government, some people in government want to limit certain newscasts and that kind of thing. Yeah, you can and, find that episode on Relate365.com anytime you want. And it, let me keep reading this. He says, one of the highest espoused values in most cultures, particularly Anglo-Western cultures, is being objective. I find that interesting because he's going to go on and talk about what that means. Objective, unbiased, logical, and sensible. Most of us are conditioned from early childhood to think of ourselves as seeking the right answers at the many decisions that we encounter. Moment by moment, day by day, we want to believe that we are analyzing situations skillfully and basing our opinions and behaviors on the correct conclusions. And then he goes on to say this, reality to say nothing of research, routinely counterdicts that belief system. Hmm. 
So it's like, you know what? I've already decided something. Yep. So now I need to just stay with it and mm -hmm. defend it the rest of my life. Mm. I, I want to warn our listeners and warn you as a younger man, if you can in your life understand that you do this, you can be in a better position to make decisions based on reality and truth rather than how you feel. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult to do because everyone around you is going to get very tied into the idea that whatever they believe is true and you are attacking them yeah. if you disagree. You're not really attacking them. You're trying to figure out if it's true or not. And, and you're admitting that every human being has a certain amount of bias and interpretation in their life. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it goes on and it talks about uh, Wikipedia that lists 75 name biases. That's, that's interesting. 75 name biases. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and basically, he says, this is our tendency to, play, to pay closer attention to the evidence and arguments that support our own firmly held conclusions and to simply discount contradictory evidence. This could partially explain the tendency of large numbers of people to hold fast to their attachments to one political party or another. We decide we don't like to re-decide. Mm. And, and really, that's what it comes to. We've decided, and we don't like to re-decide. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I understand that. And the trouble, really, in my life is that I actually see it. Yeah. I mean, for me, though, as somebody who loves to analyze things, I like making a game out of it. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say, that's what I think now. That's the way it is. Yeah. And, and I'll say that because I realize, I just said, that's what I think now. Right. That doesn't mean five minutes from now I'm going to still think that. It doesn't mean two days from now I'm going to think that. But I'm letting you know that today, that's what I think. And I'm done talking about it. Mm -hmm. In other words, it doesn't matter what now you throw at me fact-wise. I'm not in a position where I want to hear it or I care or I want to change. Mm -hmm. I find that, for me in my brain anyway, refreshing because now it actually puts me in a place where I at least am saying something truthful. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Here's what I think. I think it because I want to. Right. I don't really care what you say anymore. Mm -hmm. And at least I'm in a place now where, believe it or not, I've positioned myself so I actually could learn. Mm. Because now I can, at that point, I've admitted in my brain a certain limitation. Yeah. And, and so subconsciously, I start to evaluate what you said. Mm -hmm. Whether I ever change or not is still, you know, maybe up for debate, but... The bottom line really is. It's interesting that I think if we would all understand that there's certain um, certain biases that come to us and that what we need to do is realize that as, as your kids are growing up in your family, your children are learning about the world through you and your wife. Right. You guys have certain biases. Mm -hmm. They're going to pick up on those. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. They get older, they get into to college, and they move away from home. Mm -hmm. They start having other adults in their life that become significant to them. These other significant adults begin to say something opposite of what you said. Mm -hmm. They have a dilemma. Yeah. What do I do with that? Mm -hmm. That's what you have to train your boys in. Yeah. You have to train them in being able to think and dialogue with you and talk to you about anything in life that contradicts what you've taught them. Mm -hmm. 
you need to have the courage to be able to say, you know what, there are people who love people, who love God, who, if you're an anti-vaxxer, get vaccines. If you're a pro-vaxxer, that don't get vaccines. You know what I mean? So that they're not coming home saying, these people, you know, I, I, they're bad people. No, mm-hmm. they're not. They disagree with us. Here's why we do what we do. Here, yeah. Here's the reason. And really, you're healthy if in the end you go, we just want to believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point. Um, because I really don't know. We were talking before off, off the air. I have a friend who's a doctor, and I'll ask him a question. And then I have a doctor I go to for you know, my family doctor. And they often disagree in what they say. Mm-hmm. What do I do with that? Yeah. Throw a dart. Mm-hmm. Whatever one it hits, I start doing. You know, I. What do you do when when? What do you do with news when it when it happens? Mm-hmm. It, when you watch political ads and they're one eighty, they're they're saying things that cannot both be true. Right. So what do you do with it? You usually slip into your bias. Yep. Why does why do people say things then that are not right, and why do they believe them? Again, you go back because somehow in their life they've been convinced for some reason that this is true. When you go back into the Bible, into the book of Job, mm-hmm. okay, so go back all the way back, one of the earliest books in the Bible, you see how Satan actually works. He works on on this bias thing. Yeah. For example. Um, He's out there checking out the world, and you guys can go read the book of Job if you want, but he's checking out, Satan's checking out the world, what's going on. God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, of course, Satan didn't. Mm -hmm. But now he's going to try and kick into the gear that he figures every human has certain biases. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to kick into that gear. They think that Job is great or blessed because of his money, his family, etc. So we'll take it away, and we'll watch Job crumble. The trouble is Job didn't have that bias. Mm-hmm. He actually believed that God took care of him no matter what and that God gave and he could take away and that yeah. his life would. So so even though Satan was counting on that bias being in place. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. Now, it was for everyone else, I think, but it wasn't for Job. So then he counted on the idea of what I call the love bias being in place. Mm-hmm. If God loves me, then no bad things happen to me. Mm-hmm. If if God loves me, then I, you know, yeah. so it's a different bias. It's the idea of confusion of love. So then, um, you know, Satan comes and tells God that. He says, well, that bias didn't work. Um, however, if, if you take away Job's health, he'll curse you. Yeah. Because that's the thing. You touch his health. Because if God really loves people, they're healthy. Mm-hmm. And if God really loves people, they'll be healed from all their diseases. Well, that's not true. God loves people who aren't healthy, mm-hmm. and He loves people who have diseases. And not everybody, yeah, everyone's going to die of something. So there's going to be something that causes you to not be here anymore someday. Mm-hmm. So, but that didn't work on Job. The idea of distorting that the, the love through the health thing didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, then Satan goes, well, okay, well, I've worked on the bias of if you've got a lot of money, God loves you. If you got, I worked on that one, it didn't work. I, I worked on the idea of love. That, that didn't work, that bias. Well, you know what else has to work? It, people always think that a majority is right. Mm-hmm. So then he has three friends come to him, and they sit with him, and they sit on an ash heap and all that kind of stuff. And, and the three friends come, they sit down, 
And, and then the three friends go into this. They're going to reinforce the idea that love is dependent on your actions. Hmm. And they're going to reinforce. Uh, they're going to reinforce the first two biases that right, right. didn't work. Yeah. But now it's going to be a, a bias. They're, they're kind of like bias and a bias and a bias. It, it's the third one. Yeah. And and if I don't get you on the comfort and the money, and then and I don't get you on the love thing and the health, then I'll get you on the majority rules. Mm-hmm. Because so many people today think if if a lot of people say this, it must be true. Mm-hmm. In fact, you hear that from people in government all the time. They'll say something. A majority of people say, "I, I represent a majority thought." And whenever they say that, my immediate response is, in my brain, I don't say it aloud, but I say, "Well, a majority is just a majority. It's not right." Mm-hmm. So I really that doesn't sway me as far as what's right or wrong. Absolutely. But yet they're using it all the time. Mm-hmm. And in America, you grow up, you think the majority's right. Mm-hmm. No, the majority's just the majority. Get right. that through your head. That's a bias you get in your head. Yeah. So, so here Satan throws these three biases that probably every human has mm-hmm. to a degree. Uh, and, and Job doesn't really fall on any of them. Mm-hmm. Then there's a, a fourth uh, bias, I think, that, that really happens that eventually he is guilty of. Mm-hmm. And every human being is sinful. There's something in our lives that isn't right. See, that's a reality thing. God loves us anyway. We don't have to be perfect for him to love us. But, And so God, in this whole process, is going to flush that out of him. And at the end, what happens is, in my understanding of the book of Job, is that Job kind of claims, he claims, that God, he thinks God is just randomly doing this to him. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's his problem. He thinks God's random. Hmm. In other words, God didn't really have a reason for this. The funny part was he was okay with it Yeah. because God's God. So he could do this if he wants. He doesn't have to have a good reason. And for about three chapters or more, I can't remember right now, in the book of Job, God comes to him and basically asks him questions he can't answer to show him he doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, did you cause the sunrise? Did you cause sunset? Did you? He goes on and on and all the answers, no God, no God, no God. Okay. So after all those chapters, you think, okay, God, what are you beating on him for? Mm-hmm. Well, because he was claiming to know something he didn't know. Mm. And it's okay for us as people to say, I don't know. Yeah, It's okay when it comes to God to say, I don't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you foolish. It doesn't make it wrong. You need to be able to say that. Absolutely. But the bias is, oh, no, I, I, you know, you'll know one day what... You will, maybe after you die. Mm-hmm. But I don't think all along, as I'm reading through the book of Job, I'm actually my brain cheering for him and, and asking God in a way, why don't you tell him what's going on? It'd be a whole lot easier to go through mm-hmm. if he knew what was going on. That's my bias coming out. Mm-hmm. I, I need to know the reason for this in order to survive this. Yeah. No, you don't. You need to know God. You may never know the reason, mm-hmm. but you need to know God. And I think never is too strong a word. You'll know after you die maybe what the reason is. But until then, you don't. I love the book of Job because I think it keeps dealing with all the little biases we put in our lives. Eventually, uh, Job comes to God and basically says, uh, certainly, 
um, I spoke of things I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And God goes, okay, that's all I wanted you to know. You had this thing, this bias, where you needed to understand it. So you were making it up mm. so you can understand it. Don't do that, Job. Yeah. Don't make it up because you want to understand it. Just say, I don't understand it. Leave it. Yeah. And so he said, I spoke of things too wonderful for me to comprehend. And then he said, I repent in dust and ashes. God said, okay, we're back on track. Let's go. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you admitted the bias. You admitted the thing that stopped you. And, uh, and you're right. So let's, let's move forward. I find that fascinating. And there's another bias that is kind of dismantled towards the end of the book where, where um, um, God, um, it, where Job actually, instead of uh, putting his friends in a position where they could be harmed, he basically just wanted them forgiven. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when God asked him, when God asked Job, who is it that made you think this way? Mm-hmm. Who is it that made you think like you're thinking now, Job? Yeah. So for all of us, the bias would be, oh, my parents, my church, my, uh, we'd blame somebody. Yep. Job was in a position where he could have blamed his friends mm -hmm. very easily. In fact, I, I often thought in my own imagination that I would say, it's my three bum friends. Mm -hmm. I'll step aside, God, you strike them with lightning. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They, take care of it. But Job didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So once again, the bias that I think is normally there, this is why I make bad decisions because my mom swore at me as a kid, my dad was a bus driver, was never home, he's always driving a bus, you know, whatever, whatever you wanna call it. Where Job was saying, no, I believe what I believe and I'm responsible for it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how I got there. I'm not gonna blame the world for it. I'm not gonna blame my friends for it. Mm -hmm. I'm taking personal responsibility for what I believe and I believed in error. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. And I think that's why God used Job as a very early example. All these biases that went into normal human life, yeah. he actually thought through them. Got caught a little bit at the last one, but after he had time to three chapters worth of questioning, he got it. Yep, and he took personal responsibility, and then God said, "You know what? We're we're going to stop this. I think you're in a good place. Let's just go back to life." Mm -hmm. And the Bible says he got you know twice the amount of stuff back. Got ten more kids, ten that died, so they're in eternity. So now he's got he, he ended up with double of everything but a wife, I guess. Mm -hmm. And and one of her was probably enough, you know, as far as that goes, because she never gave him good advice anyway. <laughs> Uh, but you, when you look at it, yeah. it was amazing to me how it demonstrates all the stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, so as a young guy, it, it'd be a fun book for you to take and work with your, your children, read it through to them. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of the simple stuff in there. Yeah. You know, can you trust God? Is he, does he know what God's doing? No, he doesn't. So what you're doing is you're setting up the whole idea of how to go through things that you don't understand and how to work through what the normal biases are in people that is absent from those who actually trust God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. And I think it's important to remember that when it comes to God, you know, there's some things that we may never understand, you know, and it's okay. You know, it's a constant process. That's why, you know, we read through the Bible every year. It's like, there's always more to learn. Absolutely. You know, and, and Dave, you've been doing it for longer than me, you know, and I've been and doing every it for year I think, where was that verse before? Right. right. Absolutely. And I've read it through yep. many times. 
And so I just encourage you to continue to, to stay in the word and continue to learn new things about who God is. Um, but unfortunately, we're out of time. This is Jason and Dave here on Younger and Older, and we'll see you here next time. Take care. Bye-bye.